It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, Steeler fans? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Steelers. I'm Daniel, your Steel Curtain Network host. And today we're going to be talking about the new coaching staff of the Pittsburgh Steelers and how this shapes the Steelers going forward in 2024, what we can expect and what these new coaches mean for the current staff and for the players uh, themselves. But before we get into that, let's talk about the NFL awards the other night. I first want to start off by saying congratulations to Cam Hayward. He took home the Walter Payton Man of the Year award he's been nominated i want to say the last three years consecutively uh, this was his sixth year uh, being nominated for the award for those that don't know what the award is it's the final award that the nfl honors it's recognized as the league's highest honor acknowledging players for their outstanding community service off the field as well as their outstanding play on the field this award goes all the way back to 1970 when legendary quarterback johnny unitas became the league's first man of the year in 1999 it was renamed after the late and great Walter Payton. In Hayward's speech, he talked about you know his dad being number 34 and Payton being number 34 and what that meant for him. And you know he lost his father at a young age and having to you know help raise his brother, who's also on the team. He wanted to give back to the youth of Pittsburgh and he created the House of Hayward Foundation, which just which does just that, gives back to the youth. And he ended up winning, I think around $250,000 and he's already talked about, you know, he's been thinking about different ways of putting that money back to the community. So congratulations to Cam Hayward. It was well-deserved, in my opinion. We applaud you, Cam. Thank you for everything that you do. And then there was another award that was given to another Pittsburgh Steeler. It was Najee Harris. He ended up getting the angry run of the year 
you know, Najee's a guy that he, he kind of doesn't really care for the award, to be honest with you, when it was like a weekly thing. Kyle Brandt went up there kind of doing his spew of yelling and screaming and things of that nature. And you can just kind of see that Najee wasn't very comfortable with it. He seemed like like that wasn't the attention he wanted to be brought on to him, right? But Cam, he was behind him. He shook Kyle Brandt's hand. He was ready to go. He was getting hyped. So even though Najee doesn't typically acknowledge the award, I want to say congratulations to you, Najee Harris. You are one of the angrier runners in the NFL when you want to be. And you have one mean stiff arm. It's dangerous. Keep doing what you're doing. I think that when it comes to not, I know that his fifth year option is going to be coming. Option is coming up and the Pittsburgh Steelers have a decision to make whether or not they're going to sign Najee Harris's fifth year option. And I know that a lot of people going into this last year or even throughout this year up until the later part of the season, were saying that Najee Harris probably isn't going to get that fifth year option. However, the way the Pittsburgh Steelers have been playing as of, you know, the last few games with the emergence of Mason Rudolph and a deep ball threat, it kind of lightened up the the box there for Najee and Jalen Warren, and he took advantage of it. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers ran very well in the last few games, and I'm excited to see what happens in 2024. You know, if what Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney said it's true that they're going to bring in some competition to go up against Kenny Pickett, regardless of who wins that competition, you know, whether it be Kenny or whoever they bring in. You know, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers really, really want Mason Rudolph back. And, you know, the owner's kind of been talking about it. He's brought him up multiple times. I think that may end up being what happens. And if the competition ends up being Mason Rudolph versus Kenny Pickett, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a regression in Mason Rudolph. He's going into his seventh year, although he only has a you know, just a little bit over a dozen games uh, starting, even though he just has a little bit over a dozen starts under his belt. I think he's right around where he is. And what we saw out of him in the last few games is probably a reflection of what we can expect to see. You know, a a person who can throw 1.5 touchdowns per game, 0.3 interceptions per game. So every three games, he's going to probably throw a pick, but he'll give you somewhere around 20 to 24 touchdowns. In my opinion, you know, if he had the entire season and it was consistent what what we saw. Now, if Kenny Pickett goes into that battle and he can surpass that, you know, he can show that he can be that special quarterback that we saw last year in preseason, then the result is the same. A good quarterback playing as a good quarterback should. Thus, we can we should expect some similar results as what we saw in the later part of the season last year. And it doesn't matter who wins, whether it's Kenny or Mason. If they can push the ball down the field, I expect a huge year from the Steelers running backs. And like I said, there's the decision for the tag. I think they do it. Main reason is I think right now it's like $6 million for the option. And that's if you don't want to extend them, right? You can always extend them, kind of go up to them and say, hey, look, you know, we have you for this amount, you know, on the on the option. We can franchise tag you after that. You're you're taking a gamble that you're not going to get hurt this year and that you're going to be healthy and that you're going to play in the manner that you've been playing this entire year to get that franchise tag. or we can sign a deal and it's going to guarantee the money you would have already made anyways, whether it was the franchise and the option, but it's guaranteed or at least partial of it is guaranteed outside of the first year. I think that's an option that they can go in and look at. And I think that that may be something that Najee Harris considers, especially given the fact that he has a lot of touches and he wasn't the youngest running back coming in out of college. He's been relatively healthy. So the likelihood of the chances of an injury coming, I guess you can say, mathematically is probably a, a little elevated but but at the end of the day he's not a, a speed back he's not going to get that home run you know for you even though he had a crap ton of 15 yard plus runs he's not known for that he's known for being a, a bruiser or at least everybody thinks including myself that that's probably 
where he should be or what he should be doing. You know, this shaking bag and trying to run around people. I just don't think it's there for him. But if he can just put his head down and run forward and run straight, I think he's a fantastic running back. 100%. But he gets the angry runs award. You know, it's uh, justified. I look forward to seeing what Najee Harris and Jalen Warren do as a tandem this upcoming year, especially under Arthur Smith. You know, he was a guy that likes to run the ball from all appearances. I mean, there's there's also the question of the quarterback that he's had. Ryan Tannehill had a Pro Bowl year, I think like 30 touchdowns, things like that. But in, in Atlanta, it didn't go so well. And I think a lot of it had to do with the quarterback uh, position, the quarterback play not being there. You know, it sounds very similar to to the Steelers situation where they got some players, they got some some very talented skill position players, but but the quarterback play just wasn't there for the majority of last season. And there was one other award that was given to a Pittsburgh Steeler, and that was T.J. Watt. He ended up getting the Deacon Jones Award. Uh, basically, what that is is for the player who's had the most uh, sacks throughout the season. He had 19, more than Miles Garrett. I think he ended up with like 14. But the biggest topic, so to speak, is is he got snubbed. You know, he was up for defensive play of the year. They ended up giving it to, to Miles. I'm not going to go down the stats. Everybody knows him. T.J. Watt beats Miles Garrett in every stat there is that is actually recordable. The only stat that Miles Garrett supposedly beats T.J. Watt in is how many times he's double or triple teamed. You know, something to that nature. That's part of football. You know, T.J. Watt can't control, you know, if they double team him or not. T.J. Watt can't control what the, what the offense is doing. If the opposing offense is which T.J. Watt, has had a lot of sacks against the Cleveland Browns. You know, if you're going to play him a certain way, then you deserve to get sacked that many times. You know, if the Cleveland Browns have a Miles Garrett and they see that Miles Garrett is getting double, triple teamed and it's working, it's effective. He only had one sack in the last seven games. Then why aren't they utilizing the same technique against TJ Watt? Probably because it don't matter. You know, you can double team him. You can triple team him. He's going to get there. It won't work. And so all you're doing is allowing somebody else to get there as well. So you tell your quarterback you have X amount of time, get rid of the ball. Because the Steelers have got some studs across the defensive line. You know, on the other side, as the outside linebacker, Alex Highsmith, he's he's had his flashes. Nick Herbig is a guy that comes up behind him who's also had some flashes in limited play. And you got Cam Hayward in the middle. When he's healthy, he's a beast. Larry Gunjobi probably can say the same thing. We just haven't seen him healthy, with, you know, in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. And Keanu Benton is a guy that I think is going to be a force on the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. He reminds me of a Stephon Tuitt, you know, kind of tall, big guy, relentless, in the middle, just kind of throws people around, very strong. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what he can do in year two. You know, get that jump. You know, there's this, you know, opinion-based win rate thing that PFF does and or, you know, if there was a play to be made, he would have made it here. Well, I don't know if PFF understands that sometimes there's weaknesses on the offense because the play is going somewhere else. You know how they'll sometimes leave a, an edge guy on one side unblocked because they're doing a pitch to the other side. Are, are those the situations where Miles Garrett could possibly have one on those plays? I don't know. I think it's a it's an opinion based type of thing. But how do you think that Miles Garrett feels knowing that he lost in every real statistic to T.J. Watt? This is basically the the NFL version of a participation award. You know, everybody knew that Miles Garrett was going to get this this award way before. You know, it's been talked about. PFF gave him their defensive player of the year awards, even though he had one sack in the last seven games of of the NFL season and really didn't do anything. You know, when he's played against the Steelers, uh, you know, this last year, he had one game where he was kind of causing a little bit of havoc there. But for the most part, Dan Moore has handled Miles Garrett one-on-one. 
Now, those are some stats you can see, you know, and, and that's probably one of the reasons why when the debate comes up between Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, who's the better off outside linebacker, defensive end, pass rusher. As a Steelers fan, the majority of the time that we see the Browns is when they're playing the Steelers and Miles Garrett hasn't done very much. And TJ Watt in those games, I mean, I think those are probably some of his favorite games to play is against the Browns. He's had huge numbers against the Browns. So just from the you know the eye test, it doesn't seem anywhere near close, but it is what it is. TJ Watt didn't get it. He ended up going to Twitter afterwards saying something to the effect that, you know, it's not something I'm not used to. But yeah, this is basically a participation award given to Miles Garrett. All he had to do was finish the season and play in majority of the games and stay relatively healthy. And he was going to get this award. There was no answers or buts about it. They didn't want to give it to TJ Watt. The only way they would have given it to TJ Watt is if he would have gotten into the 20s again, as far as sacks go, or would have broken the sack record, his own sack record and taken it, you know, himself. But to TJ Watt's credit, yeah, this isn't the only time that he's been snubbed. He's, this should probably be his third if not fourth time being, you know, defensive player of the year. And the fact that it's only happened once because, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of Watt fatigue, given that his brother, you know, had won the award several times as well. I don't know. I just don't think that it's going to hold, you know, that value anymore like it used to. You know, once you start giving, you know, awards like this just for participating, it's going to it's gonna end up turning into the Pro Bowl. You know, just kind of like how, you know, there are some players who get in just because of their name. That's it. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick was one of them this year. He didn't play very much. And when he did play, he didn't, he had no splash this year. He was injured the entire time. It's not to his fault. Yeah, he made a Pro Bowl. You know, this is where the NFL honors is going. If you're not going to give the guy that that is actually productive on the field, then what are you doing? You know, this isn't a game of horseshoes where it's almost, you know what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't understand why the Browns, I mean, what have they done? They finally made a playoff game. They've won one playoff game in I don't know how many years. And, yeah, I get it. You know, the, the same thing can be said for the Steelers. You know, they haven't won any playoff games as of recent. But, you know, the Steelers have some hardware. The Steelers have done something. Whether it's been a while or not, Browns don't. So maybe maybe this is some kind of sympathy thing because they haven't won anything. They've been the paper champs, you know, consecutively for the last, I don't know, five years or so. They're the preseason champions. Everybody thinks, oh, this is the year the Browns are going to do something. And every year they've just fallen flat on their face. I think it's bull crap, y'all. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, check it out. You made it to the other side. Welcome back to the state of the Steelers. Let's start looking at 2024 and let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and how maybe perhaps, you know, we can see how they're coming together. You know, there's been a little bit of a glimpse there. The Steelers have gotten their coaching staff together for the most part. And there's been an announcement of three coaches that have joined the Pittsburgh Steelers and we'll go through them one by one. Uh, The first one that we're going to talk about is wide receivers coach Zach Azani, who was Formerly of the New York Jets, he uh, coached there for one season. Prior to that, he was the wide receivers coach for the Denver Broncos between 2018 and 22 with the Chicago Bears back in 2017. You know, I'm a little bit kind of like so-and-so in this. You know, he's had six seasons with wide receivers, and he's only seen two receivers uh, hit over 1,000 yards, and that was Cortland Sutton in 21 and Garrett Wilson last year. But for the most part, majority of the uh, receivers just haven't been successful under him. We'll see how he he does here with the Pittsburgh Steelers receivers. You know, they've got some guys that need some leadership. They need some direction. You know, one in George Pickens, especially. You know, I I think Deontay Johnson probably is on that list. You don't punch your quarterback in the face at halftime and not have some sort of disciplinary issue, right, or or divaness to you. And that was all allegedly. I don't know if it's true or not. I digress. But he'll be coming over. He'll be the new wide receivers coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know a lot of fans were harping for Heinz Ward and – and or some kind of bigger splash name. We'll see how this goes. Like I said, I'm I'm a little bit kind of iffy on this. I mean, he did well last season with Garrett Wilson. He did that with their quarterback issue that they have. So maybe perhaps if the Steelers can, you know, address that quarterback play and get it going. And with the receivers that the Pittsburgh Steelers have, he can get going himself as well. We'll see how it works for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the uh, wide receivers. It's an interesting move, needless to say. And the next coach that the Pittsburgh Steelers brought on is Mateo Kambui. Uh, he was a guy that played center for Florida A&M. He's a guy that spent last season, 2023, with the Atlanta Falcons as the assistant line coach. He's being brought in as an offensive assistant. But this kind of goes into the points that I've been making when it comes to getting a new offensive coordinator. You know, how is the offensive coordinator going to jive with the current positional coaches if the Pittsburgh Steelers decide to keep them around? You know, in this situation here, when you have, you know, Arthur Smith and he's bringing in his former offensive line assistant, he's a guy that likes to run the ball. Arthur Smith, that is. You know, they like to play bully ball. He's had teams that have done that in the past. A big component of that is the offensive line, the structure, the style in which they want to block. You know, the Steelers currently have Pat Meyer as the offensive line coach. I don't know how he mixes with an Arthur Smith offense, but I questioned it. You know, if the Steelers are going to go out there and get, you know, a new offensive coordinator, somebody who's not currently on the Steelers, you know, maybe you need to buy into this person and not just buy into who they are, but really buy in and allow them to put their fingerprints on everything when it comes to the offense. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense has just been trash for the last couple of years. It's been bad. Statistically, the eye test, whatever you want to call it, it's just been all bad. And there needs to be a change. And I would have thought that you would give your offensive coordinator 
those reins. Get your offensive line coach, get your quarterback coach, get your you know, passing game coordinator that you may or may not want and and build your offensive playbook, put your mind into it. I'm just wondering how much on the same page these guys are going to be, especially if they come back from different philosophies. You know, it's one thing, you know, the players have to learn a playbook and things like that. And I get it. But putting guys that have never worked with each other and or maybe have a different style. I'm not I'm not sure that's a successful formula. I mean, it's more than just, you know, the offensive line and uh, a coach and the uh, this new offensive assistant. You're also looking at the quarterback coach. The Pittsburgh Steelers go out there and acquire Tom Arth as the quarterback's coach. He was the quarterback's coach for the Chargers, and he helped Justin Herbert have his career that he's had thus far. This is another hire I'm not really too sure about, to be honest, but it has more to do with, you know, not knowing much about this guy, to be honest with you. I know that he played quarterback for some time, so I think that helps out the position, having somebody that's been a quarterback. You know, he was a backup to Peyton Manning, so he got to see day in, day out a you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback go to work, do his business and what he what it takes for that player or for Peyton Manning to be as successful as he was. Obviously, there was some things that you couldn't coach when it comes to Peyton Manning, because, you know, if, if everybody could coach what Peyton Manning had or some of these great you know, Hall of Fame uh, quarterbacks, then there wouldn't be anything special about quarterbacks. Right. <laughs> so I think, it's you know, in all reality, I do think it's a it has a lot to do with a perfect pairing when it comes to the uh, quarterback and the coaches. You know, you want to have the right scheme for the right player. You know, this is a guy that I don't know much about. I, like I said, I know that he coached the last couple of years, you know, helping out Justin Herbert there in, in Los Angeles. You know, however, himself and the head coach there got relief of duties this past offseason, and he's available. Coach Arth for the Chargers, like I said, he, he, did, he did some okay things. I mean, the Chargers ranked third in passing in 2022, ninth in total offense back then. This was one of Herbert's breakout years, but then last year happens. And I think a lot had to do with Herbert being limited. He was injured. You know, he played a couple games injured. He only played 13. So he, he missed a few games. The Chargers end up finishing 20th in points scored and 13th in pass yards per game. So they did kind of have a, a recession. And I'll tell you why that's a little bit concerning to me. Just kind of like the players, right? You know, when you have a quarterback that's gone out there and he's doing his thing on the field and he's playing well, you know, we want to see that a couple of times. You know, and, and the reason why is because of film. You know, once your tendencies, your your likes, your dislikes are out there, NFL defenses are going to plan for those things. And that's the same thing for the offensive coordinator. Once, you know, an identity is set and you can see what an offense likes, don't like, and if there's some sort of pattern or giveaway or whatnot, then, you know, defenses are going to pick up on that. You know, I would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe perhaps the other way around where it was okay and then it got better. I really don't like to see regressions. It's concerning to me. It just really is. But then it also it kind of boils down to, again, the Pittsburgh Steelers have Mike Sullivan. There are rumors out there and they're supposedly keeping him. I don't think the Steelers have made anything official or statement official saying that they're going to be keeping Mike Sullivan. But I mean, you got Mike Sullivan, Eddie Faulkner and Pat Meyer, probably all three being retained. So that's quarterback, running back, offensive line outside of the receivers and tight ends. I mean, that's that's a big chunk of your offense that you're retaining from an offense that struggled last year, an offense that, you know, the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator for, you know, halfway throughout the year. So I'm a little bit confused as to like why they're still acquiring or keeping so many guys, unless there's some sort of comfortability or something with, with Sullivan and, and maybe perhaps one of the quarterbacks, 
Now, I know that the main conversation that's been going on right now has been with the quarterback position. It's been, you know, the Steelers are going to be bringing in Kenny Pickett. Arthur Smith talked about Kenny Pickett, coach, owner. They've all talked about Kenny. I know that they all brought up, you know, Mason as well. But Kenny is the guy that is on the on the team right now. And he's been basically the number one guy, right? They've been uh, talking about him as being the number one guy and what they need to do to help him and help him in his development. And, you know, what I say to that is what else do you expect him to do? What else do you expect him to say? You know, for me, when it comes to watching and following the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's always kind of turned into watch what they do, not what they say. And when you go back to last season, what did the Pittsburgh Steelers do? They started Mason Rudolph over a healthy Kenny Pickett. Some people will say, oh, it's because he's in his second year and, you know, he needed time to get back in the, you know, in the feel of things, this, that, and the third. I don't think that's the case. Not at all. You know, they may be saying things to not hurt his feelings, but I, I don't think that was the case. You know, and if they're starting Mason Rudolph over a healthy Kenny Pickett, that means that Mason Rudolph took that job from Kenny Pickett last year. You know, one of the things that Art Rooney said a lot in every press conference that he's gone into or every interview that he's been a part of is basically that they need better quarterback play and that they saw what this offense can do with better quarterback play, referencing Mason Rudolph. Now, obviously, Mason Rudolph has a decision to make. Him coming back isn't just on the Pittsburgh Steelers and with, you know, if they're going to offer him a deal. He also has to you know, like it and or maybe perhaps see if there's anybody else out there willing to, you know, that is liking him more than the Steelers to pay him a little bit more. And the other thing is, too, he may want some money, not so much that's going to knock him out of you know contention for the Pittsburgh Steelers to to not want him back or to not sign him if they think that he's truly a possibility of being, you know, that guy, at least for now. I think he's going to want some money. That's going to show that the Steelers have that confidence in him. And he's already shown he has the confidence in himself. He's gone out there. He's done what he's done. Now it's time for the Steelers to show how much confident they are in him. And if they don't show that, I think, yeah, for sure, he's going to be gone. You know, if they want to say, hey, you know, you got to earn this, this, that, and a third, then maybe perhaps he does find something that is going to pay him like he has a real chance of being the starter. Because, you know, he's gone down this block before, you know, where he's being told he's going to have an opportunity to compete. And the last time he was told that it ended up being a farce. There was no competition there. That job was Mitch Trubisky's. You know, you can ask anybody that went out to train camp, myself included, and I'm not a scout. I, I don't know if I'm looking at the right thing or not. But from what I could tell, it looked better for Mason Rudolph than Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. I mean, it kind of translated into real stadiums. And that's the thing, right? You have Mason Rudolph. He did what he did in a real stadium. If he ends up coming back, what is it that Kenny Pickett can do in shorts and shirts, in OTAs, train camp, preseason? You know, we all saw what preseason was last year. You know, how, how much can you trust that versus what you saw in Mason Rudolph in real stadiums and real games and games that counted and games where the defense was planning for you, where there was blitzes and misdirection and the defense is trying to hide what they're doing. So what is it that Kenny Pickett can do in those settings that would surpass what Mason did in the last few games. And you really sit there and think about it. I mean, one, they started Mason over a healthy Kenny Pickett. And the next thing is, what can he do from here to there that can show the Pittsburgh Steelers that they will be confident in having him as QB1 come week one of the regular season? I don't know if there's something there. And, you know, I know that, you know, Coach T was asked about Deontay Johnson's statements about wanting him as, you know, QB1 and being QB1 next season and saying that if there's some sort of you know, those type of words, if there's going to be a divide in the in the locker room and whatnot. You know, Coach D already said he don't care. 
he, he wants the competition. If somebody's going to fold because somebody else wants someone else, then he doesn't belong in the NFL. He doesn't belong as QB1, that's for sure. I mean, there's some questions that are here, right? About Kenny Pickett and, and not being on the field. You know, the first one came up and about was he didn't dress while he was healthy that one game. And I don't know any situation. And, and if I'm wrong, please, please send me that situation on my Twitter. My handle is at State of Steelers. But send me a situation where a player was told that they were healthy but only healthy enough to play if, if they if they were the starter, that they were not healthy enough to back up. I've never heard that before. Now, I've heard it the other way around. You know, we're going to you're healthy enough to go, but we're going to put you as the backup just because you hadn't practiced or played or any of those things. We're going to suit you up just for that. And if somebody goes down, then you'll go in. You know, remember back in the day when when Ben Roethlisberger went down and the next game, I think it was like a foot injury. Landry Jones goes in there and his foot gets stepped on and then Ben comes in like first drive. Now I know that Kenny Pickett's injury was a little bit more severe than that, but I think that it was probably more than just the play is probably also the environment in the last few games. They were in cold weather. They were in the elements. One was on the West coast where the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't won since the eighties. I just don't see like, if you bring back a Mason Rudolph and you sit down and you talk like, like if, if I were Mason Rudolph and I sat there and I talked to coach D and I looked at, at Art Rooney and I said, I did those things in real stadiums, not in preseason, not in OTAs or shorts and shirts in regular season games. And in the post game, I thought he had a really good post game uh, performance. I know he had the one interception in the end zone and everybody looks at that and says, Hey, um, you know, it was a bad throw, bad idea, bad choice. It really wasn't. You know, if you go back and watch the tape on it, the cornerback is facing away from Mason Rudolph until the ball is almost there. Right before the ball gets there, he turns around, and he makes a play. I mean, you're playing NFL players. These guys get paid millions of dollars, you know, to play a game as well. They're going to be good. They're going to know what they're doing. They're going to be able to do some things here and there every now and then. And I think that's what the situation was. And let's just say he puts it out there just a little bit more or. You know, like I said, nine out of 10 times, that's that's being caught and that's a touchdown. The Steelers didn't win. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuses, but I do think that there was some hope there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, you can watch that and say to yourself that, you know, there could be something there in the future as a team, not just, you know, Mason Rudolph. I'm talking about as a team. I felt that during that three game stretch, we saw the receivers doing what they were supposed to do. And there was no argument on the side. I mean, there was a game there where George Pickens didn't get a reception or get a target. Did we hear him upset? Did we hear him, you know, getting mad and and shutting down his Instagram and all these other things? No. In fact, a couple of weeks later, you know, after the season is over, Mason Rudolph puts out a picture of himself and the team on Instagram and George Pickens is in the comment section calling him the goat five times. I don't know. If you read between the lines, I think that tells you, you know, which quarterback the Pittsburgh Steelers receivers want. Deontay Johnson told you flat out. George Pickens is putting it on his Instagram. Jalen Warren expects it. Art Rooney wants to work with him. In fact, I think there's been uh, some rumors there that I've heard that they're already talking, which I'm sure they have been. That's probably not anything crazy. I mean, they have all said they want to do business again. So there's going to you know, part of that is the talking part, but we'll see. Well, that's all I got for you guys. I'll be back on the hangover on Monday afternoon with my buddy, Shannon White. We'll be talking about all the latest news. And when it comes to your Pittsburgh Steelers. So with that being said, guys, I'm out of here. Peace.